1: Dvorcek, you're listening to the New Orleans Saints episode of 2018 Team Preview Series, a special edition of Road of His Radio. Our special guest is beat recorder Nick Underhill of the New Orleans Advocate. He covers the New Orleans Saints as a beat writer, and in this episode, he talks about what to expect from Drew Brees in what will be one of his final years of his career as he turns 40, the split between Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and who should see the wide receiver two role next to Michael Thomas for the Saints. After the interview, We'll take a few minutes and think about what Nick said, and we'll be looking at how some of the changes in the offense, just regressing from last year, could affect the the team as a whole and their fantasy value. Using some of the great apps at Rotoviz. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to Rotoviz.com to check out the site. Now, let's get to Nick Underhill. all right I am joined by Nick Underhill find him at Twitter at Nick underscore underhill of the New Orleans advocate Nick how's it going
2: hey I'm doing well thanks for having me
1: yeah we we love to get the uh get the reporters on the ground because we're you know up in our ivory towers of, of numbers and stats but uh I do think what you guys do really helps illuminate some of the things we can do you know in terms of seeing it as real life football and uh and fantasy football for what we're doing but uh let's get right into it I think Week one, the first thing you'll notice when you watch the Saints take the field is the absence of Mark Ingram. How do you think they're planning on you know compensating for that for the first few weeks? And it is a contract year, so do you think he comes back, or is this the end of Mark Ingram in New Orleans?
2: It's interesting. I think before we knew he was suspended, I probably would have guessed you know just from a team aspect that the Saints probably would have went three and one during those games without him. I still think it's probably like a three and one team. You know, I think Alvin Kamara last year he averaged about seven carries per game. If you look at the Sean Payton era, I think last year in one year in 06 or 07 with Deuce McAllister, the lead back averaged more than 14 carries per game. I don't think Kamara is going to be much higher than maybe 12 per game. He he averaged about seven carries per game last year. I don't think they want to give him a massive, expansive role. But the problem is right now, you kind of look at some of the other running backs that have been in camp. It's only been five days. It's too soon to draw any conclusions, but there's nobody that's really kind of done anything to even make you notice them for more than one play at a time, you know, and I'm just kind of looking for someone to grab my attention and that just hasn't happened yet. So maybe that running back isn't on the team right now. Maybe it it takes some time to find out who that number two guy is going to be, but I think you're going to see more Camara and, you know, as far as fantasy goes, I wouldn't really look at any of these other guys right now as a viable option even just as an Ingram fill-in, I, I just think you could probably do better somewhere else.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And uh, I think you said you haven't noticed anyone pop at the running back position. I know there has been at least one receiver who has popped at the at the receiver position, obviously. Nope. Uh, could you illuminate us a little bit on who sees to fill in that uh, wide receiver two role next to Michael Thomas?
2: Yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, before camp started, I, I probably would have guessed Cam Meredith pegged in. But through the first five days of camp, Traquan Smith has kind of been the guy so far in camp every day that there's a highlight and you know, he's going against legit competition. He's beaten Marshawn Lattimore a few times. It's, you know, it kind of feels like that first year with Mike Thomas where every day in camp there was kind of like that incredible moment where, you know, he was doing those things that caused you to pay attention, going up and over guys making catches and you see Smith doing the same thing. And before camp, I would have guessed maybe, you know, if you, if you look back to like the Oh nine saints offense, uh, Robert Meacham was kind of, you know, the fourth guy. And he had 650, 700 yards that year, came in, did some deep stuff. It, it was kind of, you know, a little bit of a change of pace. That's what I would have guessed for Trey Kwan. But right now, after these first five days, it, it kind of looks like maybe he's starting to push his way up the depth chart a little bit. It, and some of these other guys need to do something to fight back. Now, the thing to remember is Cam Meredith coming back from this injury. These are like his first five days of football in over a year. So, maybe he just needs some time to get going. But, you know, right now, it's definitely Traquan Smith making that push up the uh, depth chart.
1: Yeah, seeing the camp highlights has been crazy. It is, like, eerily reminiscent of Michael Thomas <laughs> in that first year. Uh, really fun to watch. Do you think then who, who slots in as that wide receiver three? And do they really get a lot of work if Traquan Smith can shine as a rookie?
2: Yeah, I mean, they do do a ton of 11 personnel. And I, I think the hallmark of this offense has really been kind of how they spread the ball around. Mike Thomas last year, that was, like, an outlier year for a Saints receiver, just how many, how many targets, how many, how many yards he had. It's just not something that happens a lot here. They do a really good job of spreading the ball around and look, That's, that's kind of like the fallout here. Now that they have more legitimate options, at wide receiver, if Traquan Smith carries this into the season, if, if Cam Meredith, you know, steps up and, and claims a bigger role, I think that might take some stuff away from Mike Thomas too. And it's possible that he has a better year on film than he did a year ago, but his numbers go down a little bit. So, I'm not sure if I see him having the same production overall, but I do think it's going to be spread out, and you know that, that's going to be the trickle down effect for for the whole offense. Is that I think everybody's numbers go down a little bit, but maybe the offense as a whole is a little bit better.
1: Uh, so last year the Saints looked maybe more different than any time in the past decade or in the Drew Brees era, in that they had one of the most dominant rushing duos I've ever seen in Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. But uh, that maybe. How do you think that happened? Do you think it was a product of them being extremely talented together? Was it a product of the defense playing well, letting them run the ball more, or do you think they were conserving Drew Brees because he's, he's 39, he's getting up there?
2: I think it's a little bit of everything you just said. I, I think that those two guys were were the perfect complements for one another. I think Kamara's is just kind of really a special kind of talent, and he's he's kind of like the perfect player for Sean Payton's offense. You know, they, they tried to get it with C.J. Spiller a few years ago it was right idea, wrong guy. Now they got the right guy and the right idea, and you kind of just see how that opens everything up. And a lot of stuff in this offense, you know, for for every pass, they have they have a play action based off it too. So I mean, you know, when they get that running game going, and defense has got to respect it, then they have things that that can just open up better windows for Breeze and. You know, he, he set the completion percentage record last year, and I, I don't think that's a coincidence. It's a lot of open looks. You know, like you said, he's 39. He's probably not as sharp as he was in 2006, accuracy or arm strength. But, you know, as long as they keep scheming and finding ways to open up those passing lanes, he, he's going to remain effective and put up very good numbers. And as you said, the defense gets better. You can run the ball more. There's pressure taken off at of everybody. And, you know, I, I think it just helped everybody flourish. and. Their schedule is going to be a little bit harder this year. You know, it, last year w- was was kind of an unexpected rise to that level. I think I think you could have reasonably expected them to get better and shake off that you know seven and nine, seven and nine, seven and nine run, but I didn't see them going that far into the playoffs. I thought this would be the year. So I mean, it I, I think they're going to be even better this year on defense. It's just, it, and I think the offense is going to keep producing. The interesting thing is is how will people address to that to that running game? You saw it, like it was crazy later in the year. You see defenses stacking the box to to make Breeze throw, and it's like this is this is still Drew Brees, like he's still the most dangerous guy uh, on this team. But that's kind of the way they started to uh, defend him. So I mean, more and more as they go forward, it might be it might be more pick your poison, and you know it could be a week to week thing. But one way or another, somebody in this offense I, I think is going to eat every single week. Uh,
1: so you brought up a few good points there that I, I want to talk about. Uh, one, it does sound like that for the most part, you still it it's still Drew Brees still got it. They just finally had the chance with the defense with a run game to let him not throw as much. This was, in terms of yards and touchdowns, one, I believe, his lowest season in New Orleans. But like you said, completion percentage, if you look at, you know, maybe watch what he did on the field or just look at efficiency stats, he was Drew Brees like always almost. So I'll take it that you believe he's the same Drew Brees. But do you think the volume comes back this year? Does the defense and rushing game rest a little bit or will they maintain this balanced attack?
2: If the volume comes back, that means that they're a bad team again and last year was a fluke and all these great young players aren't ascending in their second season and it's a disaster. And then you start running the clock on, you know, when this contract's up, that's it for Breeze. I mean, like if that volume comes back, it just means terrible things are happening to this team. So they got to hope the volume doesn't come back. I mean, I I know like if you're if you're setting your lineup every week, you want the Saints defense to be terrible. So Breeze is throwing the ball 45 times a game. But in reality, that's a very, very bad thing for this football team. So they better hope it doesn't come back.
1: Uh, all right. So uh, I, will, I will pray for you that he does not score a lot of fantasy points because that means they're doing well. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned that uh, you know his contract is coming up. He's 39. I believe he turns 40 this coming January. So by the end of the season, he will be that big 4-0. The Saints traded a 2019 first just to move up and get Marcus Davenport. Last year, we saw them trade a second to get back into the third, get Alvin Kamara. Do you think they're making a, a late career push? Because he, he is, you know, it's father time always wins. So do you think they're making a, a late career push for him to bring one more Super Bowl home?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I I think anybody can logically kind of look at it and see that they probably maybe got like two, three years to to maximize this window. I mean, nobody really knows how quarterbacks age in this era. Brady and Breeze are, are going to kind of you know, set the expectations for, for everybody that comes up behind them. I, I think the game's just changed so much, the dieting, nutrition, how, how people take care of their bodies, workouts, everything, health care. I mean, th- these guys are kind of the, the first of, of this generation to get to this point. So, I mean, do they fall off a cliff at a certain point like their predecessors or can they kind of age gracefully or push that aging process back a little bit? But, I mean, you know, I, I think you got to look at it like they got two years and they are trying to do everything they can, I, I think, to try to set him up to to get that title and then you know when he's done then this core the way they've drafted jeff ireland has really done a, a fantastic job the last few years and if davenport's a hit too you know that they might have a good young core and not be in a situation you know kind of like some of these other teams that you've seen kind of just plug in a quarterback and maybe they're good enough to to be competitive and and extend that window in another way but yeah i think i think we can look at it and say they might have two years maybe three and then after that who knows
1: Uh, Earlier you brought up something that I want to get back to. You said the Saints were one of the highest 11 personnel teams. They were also up there in 21 personnel, two running back sets. Uh, I thought it was interesting, though, there were only seven, so there were six more teams that used two running backs, but I don't think anyone would argue that the Saints did not have the two best running backs. So how do you see the split between Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram? How do you see that split going when Mark Ingram comes back to the field?
2: Yeah, see, I have no idea how to answer that because like you mentioned before, Ingram's in the last year of his contract and like the weird thing about this is is that it kind of gives them like a four-game window to see how valuable Ingram is to the team and if Kamara's doing, you know, if he can handle 12-13 carries a game and still have a high yards per carry and you know be banging it between the the, the tackles against boxes of seven, eight guys and still do a good job then you know, that kind of puts you in a situation where you might start looking at Mark Ingram like, you know, may, maybe he doesn't need to be the lead guy. Maybe when he comes back, he's he's the change of pace. Weird things happen here. And I'm not saying this is going to happen to Ingram, but heading into last season, even with Willie Sneed's suspension, you never would have guessed that he would be a guy that just disappeared completely from the whole the whole entire offense. You know, he goes from being a borderline thousand yard guy the last two years Someone that you kind of look at and think, "Wow, his his chemistry with Breeze is, is on parallel. how do they replace that?" And you know, those first couple of weeks of the season, it kind of felt like not having Snead out there is what ailed him. And then you know, they figured out how to win g- eight games in a row, and, and it didn't matter. And then Willie Snead never got his role back, and he's on a different team. Now, I I think Ingram's a little bit different than that, but I could see a, a scenario where. They do really well without him, and he has a bit role going forward. Or I could see a situation where they do well those first four games, and they think, you know, hey, Ingram's important to what we do. Let's get him out there and and, and let him reclaim his role. But I can't sit here today and make a guess either way on on how that's going to play out.
1: Oh, yeah. If you looked at my, my fantasy rosters going into last year, I was definitely not guessing Willie Sneed would be uh, nope. <laughs> left, left behind like that. I was, I was leading that bandwagon. But, uh, all right, the final, the final skill position piece I want to talk about uh, is the re-signing of Ben Watson, bringing him back after a one-year hiatus. I'm assuming there was some sort of parade as they brought uh, hero of to the town Ben Watson back. Do you think he factors in at all going into, I believe, over a decade of NFL experience?
2: it's so crazy he's like he's what 37 and like he's out here out jumping second year linebackers to make catches and stuff and it's just it's so weird to see him like just remain so effective and the weirdest thing was is kind of how he rose here that that last year like after jimmy graham goes it's like seems like what are they going to do and then like ben watson shows up out of nowhere and gets 800 yards i mean i I think he's still gonna have a decent role in this offense I, i would probably guess 650 Conservatively, I mean, it seems like that's a safe bet for for kind of what he could do in this offense. Uh, they do have some other guys at that position. You know, I, I don't think Josh Hill, Who Man, anybody like that's really going to make a big threat for yards. But I mean, there, there are a couple of younger UDFA's that that have looked good uh, so far through camp. Deion Yelder is one of them. That might be somebody to keep an eye on if, if he makes the team. And then Dan Arnold, uh, he, he's somebody there transitioning from wide receiver. He's factoring in a little bit at that. Uh, flex tight end position, and, you know, if he ends up making the team, then, you know, in that two-minute when they when they go to 11 and spread it out, it, you know, it, that seemed to be the area where Kobe Fleener kind of got all his yards. So if Arnold makes a team, it's possible that, that he could have a role there. So some guys to keep an eye on, maybe, like, you know, really, really deep sleepers, you know, as you go into the season, maybe you pick somebody up. But I, I do think Watson's going to be decent. I don't expect him to be, you know, a yards monster or anything, but I, I think he'll be solid.
1: Oh yeah, fantasy football players are degenerates. We love the deepest sleepers, the fifth tight end on the roster, the transition. <laughs> we we love all that, especially in the dry summer months. All right, I'll get you out here on this. Uh, how do you see if everything goes well? How do you see the Saints' season ending up?
2: I think if they don't, if they aren't in the the final four of the NFC, it's a disappointment. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to say that. I, I came here in 2014, and there's like really, I've never looked at this team with any type of expectation well i guess 2014 they had super bowl aspirations and it was a complete disaster but it feels a little more real this year i you know i I think they should be right there in that mix everybody in the nfc seems to have gotten better but i mean this team is based so much on young ascending players and a lot of them it feels like there's room for a lot of them to get better so i mean if they aren't there i i really i really do think it's going to be a little bit of a, a disappointment and there might be a hollow feeling to uh their year
1: yeah, I mean, you know, they're one one not miracle away from making it to the champion, the uh, NFC Championship oh. game. I don't, I don't blame you. You know, it's uh, especially with this final years of Drew Brees' career, you have to. If you're not going to be optimistic now, when? But uh, all right, thanks for thanks for coming on, taking time out of your day. Uh, you know, where can the people find you?
2: Yeah, I'm on Twitter at nick underscore underhill, and uh, all my all my Saints stuff is at theadvocate.com
1: All right, thanks for uh, thanks for dropping by.
2: Yeah, man, thanks for having me.
1: So that was my interview of Nick Underhill, the New Orleans advocate. And before we get into breaking down what he said using some of the awesome Rotoviz apps, as you know, the NFL season is quickly approaching and get ready for it with a subscription to Rotoviz NFL Pass, which you can get right now for 30% off. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only, and it's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you an unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. And best of all, it supports this podcast. Again, Be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL pass at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. I just want to echo some of the points Nick made starting off with Drew Brees in that Drew Brees, while getting older and maybe seeing a a change in the way he plays, wasn't necessarily any worse last season than he was in the years prior and arguably even better. Setting the NFL record for completion percentage and going to airyards.com, his pacer on clean pocket passes and I use clean pocket passes because passes where QBs hit are very noisy, or at least the stats produced from them are very noisy. QB pressure being a a great equalizer in terms of, you know, talent doesn't really shine through at that. So uh, in terms of pacer, which is his air yards thrown over the yards that were caught to measure efficiency of each pass, he had a 1.13 pacer. This was his highest since 2009 where air yards tracks data, and it was his highest by a large margin with 1.01 being his next best in 2009, The biggest game-changer here was just average depth of target. His 7.5 was the lowest. And in terms of fantasy, Breeze had been stellar up to this point. Every season in New Orleans, he was a top-six quarterback. This season, 11. And that basically comes down to two things. Volume, it was his second-lowest pass attempt season in New Orleans with his lowest yards and lowest touchdowns. But efficiency-wise, we can see Breeze, even though he was used in a different way, throwing lower depth of target passes, higher completion percentage, generated some of his some of his most efficient passes he has as a quarterback so i think talent wise and ability wise breeze is still there and they just used him differently but with uh like nick said even that the the russian game can't be as good as they were last year and the defense can't be as good as they were last year passing volume should come up breeze is still just as talented right now mfl 10 adp has him at seven like i said before this season he had never finished as low as seven as crazy as that sounds as low as seven in his time in New Orleans, I think that's much closer to his floor than to his ceiling. Moving on to some of the receivers that Nick talked about, I want to specifically focus on Traequan Smith, who has been dominating the training camp so far. And I think with Traequan Smith, when talking about him, the first thing you have to mention is not him, but Michael Thomas, because Michael Thomas did something completely unprecedented for New Orleans receiver last year, which was achieve an extremely high target share. For him, it was 28% in the season. The highest in the past nine years before that was 21% by Marquez Colston. This isn't particularly close, and this means that New Orleans has typically spread the ball out, and over a one- or two-season sample, that might be insignificant. But over nearly a decade, 21% being the highest target share achieved by any of their receivers, I I do believe is significant. And I think we've seen many seasons where they produce two not elite, not top five guys, but two top two top 10, two top 12 receivers in Brandon Cooks and Michael Thomas most recently, and what we saw from them was benefiting from the efficiency of a New Orleans offense led by Drew Brees. In 2016, we saw Michael Thomas lead the team in target share with 19%, Brandon Cooks barely trailing at 18%, and then Willie Sneed at 17%. Even if you don't consider that Willie Sneed's 17% target share is higher than Ted Ginn or Cam Meredith could see, with Ted Ginn seeing just 14 last year and Cameron Meredith still rehabbing an injury, If Traquan Smith is allowed to fill the Brandon Cooks role, which entailed an 18% target share, even if the offense does not throw any more times, that's still 96 targets. And for a rookie right now with an MFL 10 ADP of 294, often going in the third round of rookie drafts for Dynasty, I think he's a buy in all formats because it takes so little for him to return value. Even if the Saints offense doesn't change much, if they are able to sustain throwing the ball as little as they did last year, It just won't take a lot. All he has to do is beat out Ted Ginn, who doesn't really fit the role of a guy more than a situational deep threat, and Cam Meredith, who himself is a good player, but we still don't know if he's healthy yet. I think it's a pretty easy argument to make that Traquan Smith is the best value on this team right now. Bring us to a close. I obviously have to touch on the Mark Ingram-Alvin Kamara situation. And like Nick said, I'm really fading anyone that isn't those two guys right off the bat. I won't really have any Shane Vereen. I won't have any Terrence West. I was on the fence about these guys before, thinking that maybe they could fill uh, 75% or 60% of what the Mark Ingram role was last year in the first few games of the season. But with Nick saying no one is standing out, the unpredictability of who will fill that role really has me steering away from them and maybe even leaning more towards Alvin Kamara because if Nick can't tell being on the on the ground on the ground for the Saints right now, I'm not sure they have their decision made up. I'm not sure if it won't be more of just playing a hot hand for that other role while Alvin Kamara still gets his. Moving on to what we expect to see when they come back, I do think it's reasonable to expect the Saints to get in more neutral game script by not crushing their opponents, winning the turnover margin extensively. New Orleans was top 10 in turnovers last year. That's something that's not too sticky from year to year. I think that was one of the biggest reasons why they were able to make such an impact on defense was those big, big plays in terms of recovering fumbles and getting interceptions and that's something that I don't expect to carry year over year, as well as the Russian game being as efficient as they were. The Saints were second in league in yards per carry, and SB Nation's New Orleans affiliate had an interesting point in one of their pieces, make sure to check this out, that they were one of the highest teams, that they ran a kneeling formation just losing a yard or two yards, 20 times much more than the next most team. If you take those plays out of it, they easily led in yards per carry. I don't think this is something that can carry over as well, even as talented as Alman Kumar and Mark Ingram are. Being first at anything in the league is almost impossible to repeat in two years. All this should lead to them at least being somewhat more down to earth in the next season. With that being said, using the Road of His Game Splits app, maybe my favorite app in terms of trying to learn what has happened so far and can we expect seeing going forward. Last season, the Saints played in four games that were within seven points, plus or minus 12 out. The four is a small sample, but In that sample, Mark Ingram averaged 13 PPR points, and out of that sample, he averaged 19.3 PPR points. He loses over half target per game in the four games where they were close, and he loses three and a half rush attempts per game, which makes sense. The Saints played more of those games that were outside of that seven-point differential in the positive end, saying that they could run the ball easily. They were up in most of those games. And for Ingram, we have the advantage of having more than just last season to look at, in his career 47 in 47 out of that split bears itself out to a lesser extent but still bears itself out with 10.9 ppr points when they were close and 14 ppr points when they were not close right now ingram's adp on mfl 10 is about in the middle of the fourth round at that cost i think that bakes in a lot of the risk of the saints being in more neutral game script obviously it bakes in that he won't be playing at the beginning of the season i think that's fair value there But the real interesting split we have here is Alvin Kamara, who actually benefited from playing in these neutral game scripts in games of a a one-score differential. He saw 22.7 PPR points per game. In games that weren't a one-score differential, he saw 18.7 PPR points per game. The interesting note, though, is that he saw nearly identical targets and less rushes in those close games. It's possible that what this split is is more noise than anything, but overall, the split between the two backs tells me that if the Saints are going to be in a lot closer game scripts, I don't want to be having a ton of Mark Ingram, whereas Alvin Kamara is probably just neutral as a fantasy scorer in all these game scripts because of how well he can both run the ball efficiently and the amount of target volume he can get if they are, say, losing by a lot. That really only leaves winning by a lot out, and if they're winning by a lot, there's a good chance Alvin Kamara was involved, especially in the scoring department. So I think it is possible that Alvin Kamara may be more safe to the changes of the Saints offense that we'll see from going from last year to this year than a player like Mark Ingram is. With that being said, I think that can do it for the New Orleans Saints episode of the 2018 Rotovis Radio Team Preview Series. I've been your host, Kyle Dvorak. Find me on Twitter at FFKyleTheKid. Thanks for tuning in. executive producer is Colm Kelly, and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotovis Radio podcast on iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com, or follow us on Twitter at RotovizRadio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount to the Rotovis Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast.